The Sangha is invited to come back to our breathing so that the collective energy of mindfulness can bring us together as an organism, flowing as a river, with no more separation. Let the whole Sangha breathe as one body, listen as one body, chant as one body, transcending the boundaries of a delusive self, liberating us from the superiority complex, the inferiority complex, and the equality complex. Yeah.
Some of us uh, can only stay for seven days because because they try to arrange their best, but can only stay for seven days. Some people can stay for one month, some for three months, some for three years. So whether it's a whether a week is long or not. If we know how to use our time, then a week is long. We can learn a lot in a week. We learn the basics, and we have to practice them during the time, the week that we are here. So when we return home to our city, we can continue to practice. The practice of mindfulness helps us very much. First of all, it helps us to generate peace, joy, happiness. And the, and this yeah, generating generating of happiness and joy and peace can be realized in every step, in every breath. Every breath, every step can generate peace, joy, and happiness. If we know how to use the energy of mindfulness, concentration, and insight, mindfulness, concentration, and insight are are some. Are, are we already have some in us, and if we can practice in a week. Then these three elements can can grow twofold or threefold. It all depends on us. Mindfulness is the capacity to dwell in the present moment. Mindfulness is the capacity of knowing what's happening in the here and now, in our body. In our feelings, in our emotions, and in our thinking, in our perception—that's what mindfulness is. For example, when we lift our two arms, and if we're mindfulness, we have mindfulness, then we know that we're lifting our arms. And our mind is at our lifting the arms, and we don't think about the past 
what the future because lifting our arms is something that's happening in the present moment and mindfulness means knowing it's an energy that knows what is happening lifting our arms and we know we are lifting our arms that's mindfulness mindfulness of our action and when we breathe in and we know we are breathing in and that's called mindfulness and concentration when we make a step and we know that the steps are taking place And we are mindful of the steps. And mindfulness is always mindfulness on something. Something that's happening in the present moment in our body. In our perception. In our emotion. And what is happening around us are all objects of mindfulness. And so mindfulness is defined as the energy that helps us know, aware of what is happening right now and right here in our body, in our feeling, and around us. And every one of us has some mindfulness energy. Those who practice longer have strong mindfulness energy we have to make use of this energy. Mindfulness has another meaning. Second, it means to remember, to recall. What do we remember? We remember the experiences. And of our suffering, of our joy, of of the past and the purpose is to recognize what is happening right here, right now. For example, in the past I was I had um, infection of the lungs and I cough out blood and it lasted for a couple months and I couldn't breathe very well I couldn't sleep very well and now with mindfulness I remember during that time and I compare it to now and now my lungs are better and I breathe better and so mindfulness means to to remember to remember something in the past so that we can compare to what is happening here in the now. And so I remember my experience of a lung infection and the difficulty of breathing now. I can breathe in and now freely with the fresh air and it, it, it um, increases my happiness and joy. For example, In May or April, there are a lot of pollen in the air, and some of us, and some of us, will have um, allergy. I have a hard time to breathe. That we can, even when we sit or lie down, we can we can breathe very well. But now, 
in January, there's no pollen. And we remember that in April or May, now two, our two nerves are very, uh, are very clear and we can breathe very well. And so we remember our experience of the past um, and, and compare it to the present moment so that we can treasure what we are having right now. For example, in the past, we used to suffer, and that suffering, if we remember that suffering, and not to let ourselves get carried away by that suffering, but to bring that suffering back to the present moment, to compare with our present situation, then our joy, our happiness, Can, um, can increase very, very quickly, can grow very quickly, sometimes 24. And that is the art of generating happiness, generating joy, peace. And some of us who have been, who have um, been experienced suffering in the past, sometimes we In the past, sometimes we, we sit as if we're sitting in hell or in a, a furnace. And luckily we have came out of that state. And right now, we're no longer in that situation. We, now we have the, the, um, the opportunity to have joy and peace and happiness, but we don't feel joy and happiness. Now we remember that experience, we bring that past experience back, and we and compare it, and we say, oh, how lucky I am right now, I'm not in that situation, I can be happy. And so instead of having um, happiness one-fold, we can have happiness nine-fold, ten-fold, and that's insight. Insight is, insight is seeing. Insight, every one of us have insight, but we don't know how to make use of our insight to tran to transcend our um, suffering in the present. We know that. That object is not worthy of our pursuit. That is, we know that it's an obstacle for our happiness. And that it brings anxiety, fear. We know that well. We know we have the insight and we know it well. That it's not worthy of our pursuit. That it's not worthy for us to put all our energy and heart in it. We, we have that insight. But, but we will make use of that insight. We let it. We, we let ourselves get carried away by the past, by that object. And right now we're suffering because of attachment. And we want to to come out of that attachment or that, then we need to rem make use of our insight. We have to see clearly that doing this, being attached, being stuck in this thing, is not, 
it's not worthy for us that it's taking um, wasting our time and our energy and that is liberation coming out of that situation and that's <coughs> mindfulness helps us to know what is happening in the present moment and and help us to recall experiences we have in the present moment recall experiences in the past and bring it to the present moment and to really see clearly and that every one of us have insight and the more we practice the the stronger our insight and our the stronger our mindfulness and the quality of our steps and our breathing be stronger and concentration is um, focusing on something. When we have concentration, we have a lot of energy. We will not get carried away because of, of uh, past suffering, of anxiety and fear of the future. We dwell stably in the present moment so to generate joy and happiness. And so the practice of mindfulness, first of all, is to generate joy, happiness, and peace. Joy happiness peace these three things can be realized right here today if we know how to make use of mindfulness concentration and insight and every step can bring peace joy happiness every breath can also bring joy happiness and peace and a experienced practitioner always generate joy, happiness and peace in every step, in every breath and that among us there are people who can do this and that within a week here in Plum Village we have to practice walking and breathing in a way so that each breath, each step bring joy, happiness, and peace. Every breath, every step help us to, to be free from the past, from the suffering, anxiety, and the pain of the past, the anxiety, worry, and fear of the future so that we can dwell in the present moment and that is it's the energy of mindfulness concentration that determines it because when we are able to be free from the past and the future and anxiety worries for the future then we have enough freedom to come in touch with the wonders uh, in the present moment and we can generate joy and happiness. So it's very important when we breathe, make an, take an in-breath and mind, and we're mindful, or when we are making mindful step, then we can generate this. So when we are mindful, we can let go of the past, let go of the future, 
to and come in touch with the present moment and come in touch with the wonders that's happening in the present moment. This is the art. And it's not very difficult. It's very comfortable walking like that, breathing like that. It's very comfortable. It's, it's, it nour- it's very nourishing that we don't need to work too hard, struggle too much. And while we're here in Plum Village, we have to, en- we enjoy the collective energy because the other people are breathing and walking in mindfulness and that all of us generate together the collective energy of mindfulness concentration, peace, and we we benefit from this collective energy. So and and so that each step and each breath can we can easily generate mindfulness. But in the city we can practice, but the environment is not very supportive of our practice, and and also it can also take as away from the present moment. And so while we're here for a week, we have to learn how to be able to do this practice. The breathing, the walking, so that when we go home, we can continue this, continue to practice to generate joy and happiness. Why, if while we are here in Plum Village, and we can generate joy and peace, happiness in every step, then when we go back to the city, we can do that. We can do it from our parking lot to our office, to our workplace. We can walk as if we are walking in Plum Village, every step with ease. Every step with mindfulness, every step generating joy and happiness, and every step generating peace, and it nourishes us. <coughs> and if we have another person who walks like us, then we have an, an support. And every step can have nourish us with peace, joy, and happiness. This is the art of generating happiness with the energy of mindfulness, concentration, and insight. Mindfulness helps us to know that every morning when we wake up, mindfulness helps us to see that we have 24 brand new hours to live. It's a big gift of life. And we smile. We are determined to use the 24 hours in a way that, that we have joy, peace, and happiness. And if we know how, if we know how to practice walking and breathing, we can generate a lot of joy and happiness in our life. Concentration also helps us to that to get caught in things that are not 
worthy of our pursuit <coughs> so that we can let, let it go. When we can let it go, we are getting caught in something, we're, in a, we're attached to something, and it's this, this attachment prevents us from being unhappy, from, from happy, happy. It prevents us from being able to to be happy. And so mindfulness helps us to see this rope, this tie that we are not able to, to let go. And it helps us to see that only that we can only be happy when we are able to let go, when we are be able to be free from from them. And mindfulness brings insight so that we can liberate ourselves, so that we can be free in the present moment. And this is training. This takes training. So the practice of mindfulness, concentration, and insight is to generate these three energies, peace, joy, and happiness. But mindfulness can also help us deal, deal with our suffering, manage our suffering. We have sufferings, feel, um, painful feelings, painful emotion, and when they surface, we are overwhelmed. It creates suffering for us, and we are so overwhelmed that we create suffering to other people. So mindfulness, concentration, and insight help us know how to manage, to deal with this suffering. If we know how to walk and breathe, then we know then we can generate energy of mindfulness. And this energy of mindfulness can help recognize our suffering and we can embra- and embrace embrace the suffering gently, just like a mother embracing a child who is suffering. And this is learning this is learning how to manage, how to deal with our suffering. We have to learn how to manage our suffering so that we can suffer less. This is the art of suffering. The other practice is the practice of the art of happiness, and this practice is the art of suffering. If we know how to recognize and embrace suffering, we can help to lessen it, lessen the the emotion, the the painful emotion and feeling. If you know how to uh, how to suffer, then we can suffer much less. But the other person, because she doesn't know how to suffer, then her suffer her suffering overwhelms her. And with mindfulness, concentration, and insight, we know how to manage our suffering, and we can suffer less, and we can do better by using our by using our suffering to generate happiness understanding and love.
When we embrace our suffering and look into our suffering, we can understand. We have understanding. We we understand our suffering. We understand the other person's suffering, and this suffering is brings along acceptance and forgiveness, and so happiness and understanding and love are the foundation of happiness. And embracing suffering, um, understanding suffering, uh, love will 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 be generated. Love and understand are like lotuses that blooms from the mud of suffering. We in Buddhism we know that in Buddhism suffering play an important role in generating understanding and love. And so a practitioner does not run away from suffering, but knows how to embrace the suffering, look deeply into the suffering to understand the suffering. And if we can understand, then we can love. And when we have understanding and love, then we suffer less. The with suffering and with understanding and love, we can suffer much less. The other person may suffer ninety percent, but we can suffer only two percent because we know how to make use the mud to create lotus. We know how to make use of our suffering to generate. Uh, understanding and love, and when we understand our suffering, then we can feel lighter, and we can look at the other person, and we can see, we can clearly see the suffering of the other person, and so we don't feel angry, and blame or or, or judge or criticize the person, and our mind is light. We no longer suffer. Before, whenever we look at the other person, we suffer. And now we look at the other person; we don't suffer, and we feel love for that person. And it, that comes from the practice of understanding and loving. And understand for the first of all is understanding our own suffering. If we don't know, if we don't understand our suffering, then we don't know how to manage our suffering. And when we understand our suffering. Then we can understand the other person's suffering easily, and we can accept the other person and help the other person to suffer less. All that are made of the three energy: mindfulness, concentration, and insight. And in one week, if we know how to generate, we can generate a lot of these three energies, which which we. we We rely on. We take refuge in the collective energy of the sangha to help us generate our own energies, mindfulness, concentration, and insight. First of all, mindfulness um, comes to the body. Mindfulness of body. In our body, there are pain. There, there's um, suppression and tension in our body. And if we just leave leave them like that, then every day this tension 
this uh, this pain, this suppression, they grow, and it prevents us from experiencing joy. I mean, happiness that we that we supposedly experience, because when we have tension in our body, then we we can't sleep well. We can't eat very well. So mindfulness of body. When we breathe in, we're aware of the in breath. We bring our mind to back to our body. This is the first fruit of the practice, bringing mind back to the body, uh, to harmonize, to reconcile the two. So when we are sitting at our computer for two hours, we don't remember that we have a body. We don't remember the truth that we have a body. We let tension. And pain to to overwhelm us. We're not so kind to our body because we forget our body. We get caught up in our work, and so when we have a mindfulness bell on the computer, and and every fifteen minutes it chimes, it helps us to stop, come back to our breathing. We breathe in and out in a way that we can let go, let go of the stress and tension in our body. In the sutra of uh, mindful breathing, the Buddha teaches exercises that we can we can be aware of our body. We can come back to our body and and recognize our body and and allow. The tension to to let go, to be released, and to lessen the tension in our body. Just like the third uh, exercise of mindful breathing, breathing in. I'm aware, my body. This is mindfulness of the body. Breathing out, I smile to my body. The fourth exercise: breathing in. I help my body to let go of the tension and and help my body to calm down. This this is these are practices that is called the mindfulness of the body. And over over two thousand six hundred years, the Buddha have taught this. And when our body. It's relaxed. Then it's easy to generate joy and happiness. And if there's tension in the body, then it's hard to generate joy and happiness. <coughs> Even if someone, our loved one, come and see us, we're not happy. So first of all, uh, mindfulness of we're mindful of our body. And help to calm our body, 
And then, when our body is calmed, we help to calm down our feeling. After we are able to, to be mindful of the body, then we're mindful of the feelings. Of, of our painful feelings, of our pleasant feeling. We have the capacity to generate a joyful feeling. We have the capacity to generate a happy feeling easily. Very easily. For example, the exercise on breathing in, I know. I am aware of my two eyes. Breathing out, I know my two eyes are still bright, and this is this belongs to mindfulness of the body because the the eyes belong to the body, and so we have insight. We have two eyes, bright eyes, and we're not. We don't treasure them. And some people wait until they're blind to really, to really treasure their eyes, to treasure bright eyes. And so, having two eyes, bright eyes, are like having two jewels that we can see the beauties. Even when it's foggy, we can see the beauties. That we can see the beauty in the sunshine, in the moon. And so when we open our eyes, we can see the kingdom of of sight. And so that's mindfulness, mindfulness of eye of our good eyes, and mindfulness of the wonders around us. That only we need to open our eyes to see them. And mindfulness of the eyes generate joy and happiness. Breathing in, I know I have two bright eyes. Breathing out, I come in. I, I'm in touch with the wonders around me and in me, and I generate joy and happiness. For example, this morning in certain meditation, I'm breathing in and out with the gata. Breathing in, I know my back. Is still upright. It's not. It's not slouching like my grandmother's back. And breathing out, I'm happy to be sitting with straight upright back. And so I have happiness right in that moment. Breathing in, I'm aware of my two good lungs that they're not infected. Breathing out, I'm happy to breathe in and out. And so. I We generate, I generate joy and happiness in every moment, and this is something that everyone can do. And so, in Plum Village, when we walk, we end our thinking because the thinking takes us away from the here and now. We stop the talking because talking does not does not help us to concentrate. So when we walk, we walk in a way that every step generate joy and happiness. 
I walk, I walk like that, and there's some monks and nuns and practitioner walks like that, and that together we generate the collective energy of mindfulness and joy, and so friends who come here they can feel this collective energy of joy and happiness, and if they practice well, they can also contribute to this. This collective energy of mindfulness, of joy and happiness, and so everyone can benefit from this energy. The energy of mindfulness, concentration, and insight are very strong. When all of us uh, generate this energy, this is called synchronization. When everyone breathe together, walk together, like this, we. Create strong, powerful energy that can heal and nourishes us. And these practices are very simple, very basic, simple enough so that everyone can do can do them. It's only a determination. We have to use our time to practice breathing and walking, practice sitting and standing, lying down, eating. When we brush our teeth, we only it only takes two, one or two minutes, but we have to brush in a way that we have joy and happiness. It's a challenge because. Our habit, habits, habitual energy. We want to do it quickly so that we can finish with it. But in Plum Village, we have to learn to brush our teeth again. We brush our teeth in a way that can dwell in the present moment, so that we can have joy and happiness. This is a practice, and if we can do that, then we're we're successful. And the same thing when we are urinating. We have to urinate in a way when we are able to relax and just concentrate on the urinating, and we have to urinate in a way that we are we can generate joy and happiness. Joy and happiness can take place when we are urinating or defecating. This is so we can practice in the meditate in the toilet, not just not just when we go to the meditation hall. So the next time, try to. When next time you go to the toilet, take your time, enjoy, relax, and see that the moment of urinating, defecating is a wonderful moment. And relax so that you can have joy and happiness. And if if needed, think of the past when you had like urinary infection, when urinating was very painful. And 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 it will give you joy immediately, and this is something everyone can do. There are some of us who have who have the opportunity to stay longer than a week, and they have to see that they're very lucky, because we know that some people can only can only stay for one week. So we pause a minute, and we'll learn the sutra.
um, the other day we learned the three um, three objects three objects we haven't finished it First of all, it's the direct perception, yeah. oh, it's, it's uh, things in themselves, Duncan is things in themselves. Reality, we have to go in it, we have to become one with it, 
that we cannot stand outside to observe it. And they say that we have to, we cannot be an observer, we have to be a participant. We have to be one with that object in order to understand it. Just like when we want to understand that person, we have to go into that person's skin to understand her. At first, we have, uh, we have, oh, we have a, an image of a salt that on the shore and want to understand the saltiness of the water. It wants to. It only wants to be an observer. It does not want to be a participant. And then someone told the salt, the green of salt, you will never understand the saltiness of the of the ocean of the water. The only thing is that you need to jump into the water and become one with the water, the the, the ocean water, to understand the saltiness of the the water. And so that's when the this. So scientists now they see that you cannot be an observant, you have to be a participant. And so the object and subject of consciousness are not just separate things. Things um, things in themselves and true true direct perception are two things that are not that are not set that are not exist outside of one another we have to train we have to see the its unity just like uh, an example we learned the other day the matter and energy at first we think that energy and matter are two different things. That matter is a matter, cannot be uh, energy. But then after that we learn that matter and energy are one. Are, are you, that, that matter can become energy, energy can become, become um, matter and we erase the boundary between the two. And the same thing with this. The object and subject of perception we think that they two separate things, but if we practice, then we can see that those two things are mutually exist, ex- existing. They cannot be independent of one another. In the perspective of a creator, they think that the creator creates the creature, creates the universe, and that there's a create, create, creator and there are the create creatures and that these two things can be separated. But in reality, we cannot take the creator out of the creature and that we cannot take the creature out of the creator. In Holland, there's a man that's named Spirza who can see that. that creator is the creature. We cannot take creator out 
or the creature out. And this notion was approved by Einstein because Einstein does not accept that God is something, you know, someone sitting up in the cloud and create all the objects down here. So we have to see the nature. It, we transcend, transcend the du dualistic view of creature and creator. We have transcended the duality of matter and energy. We have transcended the duality of, of the earth and the sky. Uh, just only a few centuries ago, we think that the sky is different and the earth is different. And then some people think that we are we we are being banished to earth from a place of there. They, but they found scientists found the law of gravity, and we learned that clearly that 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 the universe is made of uh, laws, and one of those laws is the laws of gravity. That the law has, the earth has to follow this law, and all the stars and the moon also need to follow this law as well. So this, this, um, it it delete, it erases all this boundary. That it helps us to see that we're part of the sky, the universe, and the universe is part of us, and that. If there's the universe, there's God, then God is not up there, but God is also here. And Air France has a very nice advertisement, very good advertisement, that we can, we can, we can make the sky the most beautiful place on earth. Due to this, the earth is the sky, the sky is the earth. And in the sky, there's the earth, and in the earth, there's sky. And it's the same thing, consciousness. <laughs> the object and subject of consciousness are interbeing that we can take, we cannot take one out of the other. So, when we look at the sky at night, we can see that the sky is consciousness. The consciousness is the sky. The sky is consciousness. And the scientists have found that that everything has its intelligence. Even a very subatomic atom has its wisdom. And so we call matter. If we call matter inanimate, it's not correct. It is consciousness. Even in a grain of seed, there is consciousness. But not only it has consciousness, but it is consciousness. 
First of all, it's the object of our mind, of our consciousness. And when we learn manifestation only teachings, we have to be able to see that. We have to transcend the double grasping, that there is a, a subjective um, consciousness in here and, and an object out there. And that science is also uh, struggling to 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 break through this this notion. Just like the the heat. Heat we think that heat and the is different. And the molecule of water of the earth is different, but different. But but the truth is that heat is is created by the motion, the motion of movement of these things. For example, the microwave. It makes heat. Because when you put a cup of water in it, or then, then this, then, then, then the it, and so the, this machine makes the wave. It makes the particle in the water moving, and it generate heat. So, so it's interbeing water and heat. Interbeing, just like the the sound and also the the air space, so interbeing the molecule, the molecule of air of space. When it's vibrated, it makes sound, and so sound is. Space and space is sound, and so we 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 erase the boundary between this and that. And our practice is to 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 break through ideas. And the more we are able to break through, the more we are able to be happy. The boundaries between birth and death, between being and non-being, we have to be able to erase them. Then we can be happy, and the practice is a process of erasing and breaking through these boundaries, and and manif- and electricity and.
between matter and energy, for example. So, store consciousness has right, right direct perception. True, right, true, direct perception, and its object is things in themselves. But mind consciousness. Manas does not have those things. Manas, first of all, is the the energy of wanting to survive. Wanting is the uh, mechanism for survival. And manas, this is this is um, still consciousness. Manas is born. It's the it's the desire to to live. It's a mechanism for survival. It's it comes from store consciousness, and it creates a new a new consciousness. When it it's manifested, it has the object and subject of of uh, consciousness. And that the subject is the object is the the object is the body. Its object is the body, and consider it as a self. And it doesn't know that this self is made of non-self elements. Manas is covered, is obstructed. And store consciousness is uncovered, unobstructed. Who <coughs> who is um, obstructed? It's covered, and tang is fu is unobstructed, and manas is is um, is obstructed. <coughs> So therefore, manas, its its perception is called um, representation. Erroneous, erroneous um, direct perception, and that its object is the a um, frame of representation. Its representation. This is we can we can translate define it as reality as it is, and and representation this is the other one, a representation of reality and not reality itself. Just like when we take a photo, the the picture of a person in the camera is not the person uh, himself or herself. It's only a represent representation of that person. And the picture outside has two, a three dimension, four dimension. 
But in Buddhism, we have we have another dimension: is the 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 consciousness, the fifth fifth. Einstein have not introduced um, the the fifth dimension, which is consciousness, because Einstein has not seen that uh, the cosmos, the universe, is consciousness. And so he only introduced the fourth dimension, which is space. I mean, time. And so when we take a picture of five dimension and become two dimension in the camera, then it is not the 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 the, the image, the person it uh, as in itself, but only a representation of that person. And so the object of manas. Is only a representation of reality, and its perception, its erroneous direct perception. <coughs> and um, the mind consciousness, the sixth consciousness. Uh, mind consciousness relies um, on manas to to give to to give birth. Manas, we have to we have we know that manas has its object and subject are one cannot be separated, and it is its subject object. Is object is is manas the subject, and mind consciousness has the capacity to reach things in themselves, but for only the first little of a second, it is millisecond, first millisecond. In the first moment, uh, mind consciousness can come in touch with things in themselves, and this is called the jing, the 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 the. Svalashana in Sanskrit. The, the, the object uh, in itself. So in our in our brain, in the back, there's a part that's called the the occipital lobe, and in the occipital lobe, it has the capacity to receive images. The black dot, yellow, white, the curves, the movement, and that's called things in themselves, object in itself, and so it's it's direct direct perception because it's able to reach all these see things in themselves, but then it uses all these all these images. And it creates an image. 
có một tướng công tướng it's a collective um, collective image samanya lakshma and it recognizes that this is a cat so this lines this dot black dot white dots and all these curves that it recognized that it recognized as uh, as image in itself it comes to in in the second moment it becomes a collective image it sees a cat at first it sees like an, uh, something that's round yellow interesting that is called when it when the when the it's called primary visual period area but then after that there's there's the secondary visual area an area a visual area that's no longer primary but it's secondary and in this area it combines all these images and it, 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 it let us know that it's an orange at first it was just a, a ball a circle with yellow color but then after that it it all these images come together and it happens to see that it's an orange that it that once it see it's an orange then it can only be an orange it cannot be something else it does not see that the orange is made of something that is not orange that orange can only be an orange a child can only be a child there is no father mother ancestors in 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 it this is called discrimination a mind of discrimination and and due to the mind of discrimination this the image becomes dhaichikan mind of rep, only representation object of uh, representation of the the reality so the first moment it's is things yeah, the image in itself but the second second it becomes a representation of that image consciousness has uh, direct perception but but it can be true direct perception or erroneous to uh, directness erroneous direct perception and with the with the 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 addition analyzing and with the capacity to edit with the capacity to uh, 
you see things directly, it, it, its object is only a representation. And because of the discrimination, it's discrimination, okay? Vikampa. That an orange is only an orange. A cat is only a cat. It cannot be something else. It does not see that in the orange is the whole universe. It does not see that in the cat there's the whole universe. It does not see the flower. It's made of non-flower elements, such as clouds, rain, sunshine, oh, the earth. And this, um, this, this, this inside, this view is called discrimination. Being gay. Being gay, discrimination, seeing things separate from other things. Mind consciousness is um, can be in the state of uh, dispersion. When we sit there and we think endlessly about this and that, then that's when mind consciousness is in dispersion. Mind consciousness in dispersion. And when mind consciousness <coughs> when it's in the state of dispersion, it thinks about this and that. There's no, uh, there's no mindfulness concentration. So. So we can easily be influenced by manas, affected by. It can easily be affected by manas to look to look for pleasure and avoid suffering. And that mind consciousness, if it doesn't practice, then it, it tends to go with manas to look for pleasure and avoid suffering. But if mind if mind consciousness knows how to practice, then it knows how to manage suffering. And and hope and deal with suffering and does not avoid suffering. And when mind consciousness goes with manas, then we go in the uh, um, path of sensual, sensual pleasure and avoids uh, suffering. It's a path without uh, insight that creates a lot of suffering for body and mind and and for other people. And mind consciousness, if not, if it does not look deeply, on the four nutriments, four kinds of nutriments, and and allow manas to 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 um, to be influenced. There are uh, elements such as internet that has anger, violence, 
that destroy body and mind. Mind consciousness cannot cannot inhibit, cannot shine, shine light on manas. And this is a situation for many of us. Mind consciousness cannot deal or face suffering and manage uh, the suffering, deal with the suffering, but only help manas to suppress uh, suffering and cover up the suffering. It does not know how to deal with the suffering, but only knows how to suppress suffering. And one day, man, um, the suffering will will be so overwhelmed that it pushes to do things, to suffer. And there are people who have um, problems with mental illness. Um, when this is when mind consciousness in a state of di- in psychosis. If mind consciousness, if it doesn't learn the trainings, the precepts, if it doesn't know how to protect the uh, with uh, the trainings, then the body and mind goes deeper every day into suffering. If it doesn't know how to consume uh, with moderation, um, then it can destroy body and mind, and so. Mind consciousness play a very important role. If 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 my, if store consciousness is a garden, then mind consciousness is the gardener. If the gardener knows how knows how it can inhibit, it can prevent um, weeds from growing. That it can it, it can it can plant flowers and fruits. of weeds. And so, mind consciousness has to learn the trainings. Um, mindfulness. Mindfulness, uh, uh, mind consciousness is the gardener and it has to sow the seed of mindfulness so that it can produce um, the fruits of joy and happiness, and that if if you grow, then you will benefit from your harvest. So mindfulness, uh, mind consciousness is very important. Mind, mind consciousness have to have a concentration, and that if, if the mind is concentrated, it can see the four kinds of uh, nutrients, which which kind of nutrients are nourishing, which are not, because there's so many kinds of nutrients in the world, and that if we just allow, allow, allow ourselves to consume all these kinds of nutrients, then we can, we can, um, we, we will suffer from the consequences such as the internet that has image, images and stories or news that contain uh, um, things that are not uh, healthy, such as violence, craving, anger, jealousy. 
and mind consciousness goes with manas and make the mud uh, mud overwhelming and does not know how to generate joy and happiness. Mind consciousness has to know to inhibit and to shine light on on manas so that the, the amount of mud is in its moderation moderation level moderate level and that mind consciousness can use this mud to grow lotus if we want to grow lotus we need the mud but manas has to Consciousness has mindfulness, concentration, and precept. Then it can, it can, it can inhibit manas. It can keep the manas. It can help manas to work as the the mud. It's our practice is not to eliminate the mud. We don't want to eliminate mud because without the mud we cannot have the lotuses. So don't try to get to, to eliminate other mud. There's no need. We should need some some amount of mud. If we have some weaknesses, shortcoming, don't worry about it. If we know how to use them, then these weaknesses can help us. This uh, we can we use them as loaded as mud to grow lotuses, so it's okay. And so, mind consciousness has uh, has to have the capacity to inhibit, to decide, and to to practice the precept trainings. Trainings, precept, our mindfulness, our mindfulness. When we receive the five mindfulness or ten mindfulness trainings, or the fourteen mindfulness trainings, each uh, each one of them give us uh, happiness, and that and that hap- uh, mindfulness trainings help us to generate freedom. And so, mind consciousness can look deeply into. The interbeing, inter, um, interdependent, co-arising into interbeing, impermanence, emptiness. Mm. Formlessness. These are these are samadhi. These are concentration state. And if mindfulness have concentration, then it can look. It can successfully look deeply to to transcend its habit energy of looking at. Perceiving of its um, this, this its discriminative um, 
it's discriminative nature of looking at things. Vikampa. It's the habit energy of discriminating. And that mind consciousness can be like a sword that cuts reality into pieces. And that it says that the, the, an orange is not an orange tree. And a cat is not the river, it's not the water. And that this is, this is not that. That's called uh, vipaka, the name. And if we know how to use the practice of interbeing, interdependent, co-arising, we can help to see the truth. And we can have right, direct perception. And that's when mind consciousness can reach reality as it is things in themselves. And so the three different perception, modes of perception, it's direct, direct, direct perception, which is um, Pratyaraksha. And the ilu is erroneous, erroneous perception created by comparing mental construction amana pramana and so when direct perception and erroneous perception are not right or not correct it's called feeling wrong wrong perception which is um, the third perception, third mode of perception. So manas has has erroneous perception, but mind consciousness has direct perception and erroneous perception. But most of the time, it is. And when it's wrong, it's a wrong uh, perception, then it's called the incorrect perception. In, in the 30 verses, we see the three nature being ke Being is the nature Vikampa nature of discrimination. The tendency the tendency of my of, of mind consciousness to divide, to to cut reality into pieces. It's called binke. And, and, and when we practice, um, when we look, practice inter, interdependent co-arising or interbeing, 
It's called Ita. Ita Koi. It means that everything relies on everything else. And Ita Koi is a process of looking deeply. That when we look into an orange, we see the the non-orange element in it. To really see an orange, to really understand an orange, and and when this object, or when um, when we we see things um, in one another. Then it come, we come to an insight that's called a complete a minor discrimination kinke contemplation of interdependent co-arising, and being tantak is the the true nature, the perfect nature of reality. Being is a complete. Time is realization. For that is the truth. So, ikanka is the looking deeply into interdependent co-origination, and we get to complete realization of reality. So we can say that store consciousness has direct perception; it has wisdom, and that mind consciousness, if it knows how to practice, it can get to it can get to tantakji. Um, tantakji is a correct perception, correct wisdom. Tantak direct. Perception, direct wisdom, and you can see reality, direct uh, reality as it is. <coughs> and the object of uh, mind consciousness can be um, things in themselves, or a representation of reality. Or no, no, or just mere images, mere images. For example, we see an elephant. We go to a zoo and we see an elephant, and the image of the elephant is stored in our mind, in our memory, memory disk, hard disk. Their pattern, their worn, worn pathways of the nervous system, central nervous system. That when we see something, it it leaves an impression in our neurons, and the, among the neurons, there are uh, spaces. 
that cause synapses. And when there's a stimulation, there, it excretes uh, it excretes a, a chemical that allows all these neurons to communicate with one another. And so when we have a feeling, then it leaves it leaves um, it leaves an impression on these neural pathways. And if this is repeated many times, then it creates memory. Memory. It, it's it's not like there's a bag that that keeps all the memory in it. It's only an impression that is left on the neural pathways. And store consciousness keeps all those. And there are things that it kept for a long time, especially things that it repeats, it goes over it for a long time. It's their long-term memories. And there are short-term memory that lasts for three or two minutes. There, there are memories that last only three weeks or four weeks. And if we want to remember for a long time, then we have to repeat, repeat, repeat um, the learning. And just like when we learn the gathas or dharma talks, we have to listen over and over and over again. And it reinforces uh, the memory. It reinforces until it becomes... Um, it comes solid enough that when we want to remember, it comes very quickly. So we have the image of an elephant or an image of someone. And when we, when we see this image, they manifest again. It, when we remember, when we remember this image, this image manifests again. We call this, we recall these memories of this image again and that's called mere image there's two kinds of mere images there's one that has substance the other one does not have any substance and we see an elephant and and we see an elephant in, in our dream we see that elephant again then that's elephant with substance but there, when we in our dream we see an elephant, but it's a flying elephant. Then that elephant is not a real substantial. Um, and so, as the artist has the capacity to create, to be really creative, they use images, uh, pieces, uh, pieces of of images of mere image and creates as something new. And even architecture, they look, they, they look, they look at an image of the houses and they keep those images in them, in their themselves. And with their creativity, intelligence, they use those things, those images, and they create something new. And it's called mere image that has, that has, uh, no substance, and uh, when it becomes um, an image, it becomes um, it, when it becomes an image, it becomes substantial uh, image. 
So when when it's a seed that is not yet manifested, then it's called an insubstantial, insubstantial things in themselves. Like now, um, scientists call the, the substance of the universe is made of a force field or subatomic particles. These are things that we cannot see. It's un, it's not seen, but it's thanks to those things that we are able to have the trees. Um, and so that's called um, in insubstantial things in themselves. This is a new word. Reality as it is without or without the the form a formless formless it's equivalent to emptiness emptiness creates form and that in form there's emptiness in the cloud it has h2o and and even though H2O has already become cloud, but the cl- in the cloud it continues to have H2O. And so things, a reality as it is, that is formless, is the, the object that store consciousness embrace and maintain. And so, and when, when they manifest, into stars, moon, and all phenomena, they are they are a reality as it is, but reality as it is with form. This is these are terms that Thai is um, inventing for us to understand this teaching. Reality, yeah. But store consciousness are not caught in this are not are not caught in these images. Whereas minus and mind consciousness are caught in these images. And it creates an image of those things and becomes a representation, just mere representation. It's the construction of the mind. When, when it's it's the construction of the mind, then you cannot see things as it is. And for us, mind consciousness, when we when we practice, we see uh, interbeing or uh, inter. Um, interdependent horizon or interbeing, we can see things as it is. And that we think that these five skandhas, that we can see reality, but it's not true. But it's not true because 
um, our first goodness are very limited uh, because there are sight things that we cannot see, that we cannot see images that we cannot see. There, there are um, beings that can see these these things. Just like the, our ears, we can see the sound in certain range. But for a dog, that can see it, um, the range of sound that we cannot see. And so, so we only see a part of reality of the cosmos, of the universe, because of the limitation of the five skandhas. Oh, the five senses. We are proud of our five senses that we think we know everything. But we really don't see everything. We only see a little part of everything. And, and, and so these things that comes into us through this, our senses, it becomes only representation. We are like an oyster that, that lies in the depth of the sea that does not have the, the eyes and the ears and so the oyster can never see uh, the sky and can never really never see the sound of the waves or the surface of the water but it thinks it knows the whole cosmos the know the truth of the whole cosmos and some of us think that we know understand the whole cosmos but there are other beings that can see things that we cannot see, like a bat, for example, it's able to see sound that we cannot. It, and sometimes it, when it flies in the night, it can see an obstacle three, three meters away, but that we cannot see. And so, and so science has shown us our lim- limitation of our five senses so that we would not be so proud of ourselves so we can see reality. <laughs> <laughs>